Sheldon. What's up, guys? This is David and Steve. See I how, how I changed it? I didn't even do the, the other ones that you don't like. The Dragon Slayer, and he hasn't come up with a good nickname for me yet. That's something y'all can put in the comments. What should Dave's uh, new nickname be? There we go. We are uh, excited to talk to you guys today. We have a live Q&A. Got some good questions. People have... Uh, have been uh, have shot my way outside of this uh, live Facebook, Facebook Live, Facebook Live. Yeah. There we go. Um, but if you guys are out there, real time watching, please post a comment or a question um, in the uh, the comment section. Old Dragon Slay over here is checking it out. It's real. Something. It's real cool to watch yourself move like three seconds after you move. It's like that. Have you ever been in a, an audit, like a, not an auditorium, but like a like a football field and like talked on a microphone? And then on the big screen. Well, or like, but when it like delays and it has like yeah, a five second weird. delay. That's what it's doing right now. <laughs> it's it's a it's a trippy feeling. Uh, so I, I feel like I can't watch it. Like <laughs> it's like inception inception um, stuff going on. Um, you just want to get right into the Q and A. Let's just jump into it and flow with it. All right. First question that I had asked to me was, how do you know when you need a new pair of shoes? I'm going to take a step back. We're going to get to that point. Okay. But I'm going to first talk about. Uh, what shoes are best for CrossFit? Oh yeah, I want to hear, I wanna hear this. Um, so a lot of times people who come to CrossFit for the first time or come to any type of cross training for the first time, um, typically running shoes are like the only kind of training shoe that we're used to using. Yeah. Um, and running shoes uh, traditionally are very squishy on the bottom. And so when you're running, the idea is that a lot of people have the heel strike where they put the foot out in front. There's a lot of, of uh, uh, force going into each foot um, and so the, the bottom of the shoe is a little squishy to try to absorb some of that force so the foot hits the ground um, which does a really good job when you're running and you have uh, you need to dissipate that force however whenever you're trying to feel the ground whenever you're doing um, Olympic lifting or squatting or anything where your ankles can kind of almost feel like on a little BOSU ball sometimes doesn't necessarily feel the best um, and so typically uh, shoes that are more set up for cross training are a little bit more stable um, they don't have as much, um, what's that called, the sole. They don't have as much right. uh, padding in the sole. Um, and there's a bunch of shoes that are specifically marketed for CrossFit. Um, I don't necessarily think that any of those are better than the others. He ha he has a thing for Nike. Yeah, baby. Can I say Nike on a podcast? Like, Man, you know what? I figure if they try to you know come after us for something, we must be doing something right. Doing so. something right. Uh, Sponsor so me. There's Nike's, Reeboks. Uh, who else is... Uh, under Armour just tried to came in, came out with a cross training shoe. Yep. Um, my very first set of cross training shoes was a New Balance. Um, it was like really? the New Balance Minimus Trainer. Oh. Um, it was it was designed for uh, I think for like baseball cross training. But like uh, there's lots of different shoes out there. But typically what you're looking for is something that has a, a more of a minimal sh uh, sole to it. So I'm gonna pull my shoes off real quick. Um, when you're looking at it, there's not a, they do, they probably smell like, the good news is it's not like a, a scratch and sniff podcast. Uh, so as you're looking at the shoe, there shouldn't be a whole lot to this part down here. And when you're looking at it, so like, it sounds hard, right? So if you did that to a running shoe, um, I, you might even feel your fingers kind of give a little bit, or if you were to push on the heel, push on the sole, there's a lot of uh, squish or a lot of give stuff that shoes that have that are typically not going to be the best um, But any of the shoes that are marketed towards CrossFit um, are typically set up to be a little bit more stable a little bit more structured when you're lifting in them You're not going to feel like your ankles are kind of wibbling and wobbling all over the place um, The other thing that I will say is that there's uh, specifically rope climbs I think are the biggest thing that kind of tear shoes up mm -hmm. um, if they're not designed to be 
CrossFit shoes specifically, but some cross-training shoes are now getting into the space as well. Um, and so most CrossFit shoes or cross-training shoes that are designed for rope climbs will kind of have this harder sole um, across the middle here. It does a good job of grabbing the rope, but it also, if you've ever tried to use non rope climbing shoes for rope climbs and you've done any uh, any, any volume or any number of them, um, it'll typically like rip the sole up. Um, and that's a really good way to get you to the point that you need new shoes, which leads us into that, the actual question in the second part. Um, that is, how do you know when it's time for new shoes? When the wheels fall off, baby. That's, uh, that's my, that's my <laughs> mantra. Um, is I have some shoes that look like they've been chewed up by uh, you know, a badger. And then I take care of some more of the fancy ones that I, I possess. But, um, you know, I try to get as much wear and tear out of my shoes as I can um, before I transition. And then I usually have three or four pairs on deck to transition into. Uh, but I would say, you know, in all seriousness, like, at what, obviously, if they start falling apart, <laughs> that's the easiest piece. But, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times, if, 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 as you've seen this shoe, as the sole starts wearing out on the bottom, whatever the bottom of the sole looks like, it's almost like tires, as they start getting super smooth. So you can see like there used to be tread on these guys, yeah. and now it's almost like worn smooth through these areas. And, and I guess it kind of comes down to like what you're using a shoe for, which Very is like true. the closest, I mean, the, the first reason why we put on shoes is to protect our feet, right? Um, or it should be to protect our feet. Um, and anytime you get to the point that you no longer have tread, you're gonna be slipping if you walk on a, a wet surface, mm -hmm. um, or if you're like, Step on a rock or step on a nail, and it doesn't protect your foot anymore. Ouch. Um, that'd be Have the bad thing. Stepped on a nail, yeah. No, I've never stepped yeah, on it's, a nail. It's not a fun uh, situation to deal with. Did it go like through your foot, or is yeah. it like it went? It didn't go through my foot, but like, it went into my foot. Remember that gym I told you I worked out at? Yeah, Clark's Gym in Columbia. Yeah. Shout out to Coach Clark. <laughs> Hopefully, he's still alive. The one with all the rested equipment. Yeah, <laughs> I will. Uh, if you're interested in Clark's Gym, I will tag you. I need to tag Brian. So Brian, I would do it. I need to tag y'all in this gym uh, where I got strong and developed an immune system that would fight off 99% of all diseases on earth. Uh, yeah, but I was in there on the platform and I mean, just the worst kind of nail you could ever imagine going into your foot. I just knew I was going to get like <laughs> cancer or something. <laughs> Jump, you know, we were doing a... Uh, we were doing. Don't a, tell me you jumped on a nail. What? Yeah, I jumped. Well, obviously, <laughs> like I didn't step on it. We were uh, on the platform, and uh, I oh, left my man. feet. I was probably doing stupid snatches, and that damn thing went into the side of my foot, and I just stared at it for a long time, like <laughs> I can't because it was in my shoe, and I'm like, I really hope this is not my foot, but I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> I kid you not. I took. <laughs> I tried to take my shoe off. Nope. And I was like. <clears throat> <laughs> oh man so uh yeah dirty rusty nail on my foot that's actually the secret to my strength in case you were curious for those of you who are listening this <laughs> disclaimer do not put a dirty rusty nail into your foot nor should you try jumping on it that's not a good test for for shoe wear unless you're wearing like steel toe boots <laughs> oh man that would uh, be terrible <laughs> Uh, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna default back to kind of what, what Steve is saying absolutely whenever you're buying uh, it's time to buy new shoes. So first of all, buy quality shoes to begin with. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, especially, so like, I don't remember when it was, Nike Free shoes became a thing. The Free TRs or the, the Free, no, they were just the Nike Freeze. 
great for moving linearly, but anytime you tried to move laterally, Eternal. like you roll your ankle <laughs> or you put your foot through the side of the shoe. Yeah. Um, so one of the things, especially cross-training shoes, is they typically should be pretty durable if you're going right to left. You know that it's time to get a new shoe if we're starting to get uh, holes in the side. And as you're trying to do like a shuttle run and you're turning or as you're uh, running in the parking lot and you turn around and your foot starts to slide through, that's typically like that lateral shift that we have at the foot and the ankle dangerous place for us to be in terms of what we're doing with our, our, our uh, feet and how we're interacting with the ground. Um, so first of all, buy quality shoes to begin with. And then if you have the stuff breaking down, holes in the sides, um, a lot of times you'll start to see this stuff falling off. After it gets to the point that it's flopping, that's probably a good, good time that it's, it's to buy new shoes. Um, the good news is about the what I mentioned in terms of um, like being less compressive, like the having less squish to them, is that you don't have to worry about that being like, oh, I compressed the sole to the point that it was no longer safe to run on anymore. Right. Um, it's it's already pretty dense, high density rubber that's on the bottom, so it's not like it's going to squish to the point that you need to replace it because of that. Um, but after that, definitely comfort comes down to it. Um, if they're no longer comfortable, which is never the way when it never the thing that happens whenever those those shoes are worn to that point, um, that's a good time to replace them. And I would say the last point. Uh, to hopefully bring some clarity on this thing is uh, when you are getting your shoes, talking about buying quality shoes, realize that your feet, um, when I used to teach uh, like sprinters early in my coaching career, your feet, uh, make sure the shoe fits. Like not all of us have like, you know, some people, most people I think can go to the store and buy a shoe that's like, oh, okay, this works for me. But uh, sometimes um, if something's not fitting comfortably when you put it on, it might be worth looking at um, getting your foot measured um, for width. Like I have wide feet and for a long time I tried to fit my foot into shoes that were just not too narrow. And, it, and, it, and it, I didn't recognize it until it seemed like every damn shoe I put on, I'm like, why is this not fitting right? And oh, well my foot's a little wider than normal. I don't remember what size it is whatever e or whatever the thing is but like, <laughs> than the normal shoe which i think is a d or whatever you know <laughs> what i mean it's just like check those things out you know if you're having continual issues with yeah. your feet hurting or man it just isn't comfortable it might be worth going to uh i know some running stores um you know along with the gait assessment we'll measure the foot uh to to a t say so, oh here's the kind of shoe you need and then you can you know, hopefully find some that fits you that you like. That's a good question. How, how long do shoes normally last you? Like, once you find a good fit and you, you actually get a shoe that, that's a quality shoe. Mm, it, I mean, really, it just depends on what I'm doing. Uh, my Metcons, if I'm rolling um, in my Metcons, like on a consistent basis, like this last, you know, I'd say two, two months or so, I've been, you know, pretty consistent in the, in the classes, training. Uh, if I could stay on course like that, I think I could get, I'm hard on shoes, sure. FYI, disclaimer. I'm very hard on shoes, uh, big dude, moving a lot of weight, all of this kind of stuff. My shoes last me usually about a year and a half. I was gonna say, I've had these year, a couple months at this mm -hmm. point, and they're still held pretty well. I mean, we, we looked at they're pretty smooth on the bottom here, but um, in terms of, like these are, I don't think these are even close to being replaced. Right. Um, so if you buy a quality shoe, which the Metcons, Nanos, even though you hate Reebok. Yeah, uh, if you have a quality shoe, um, and, and you can ask around for the other people what, what they like to use, what other people typically use, 
Um, the nobles, I think, look pretty high quality as well. You, you should expect year plus. Right. Absolutely. If your shoes are tearing up in two months, uh, time for a different quality. You need to increase your shoe budget. So, <laughs> or, or or change, yeah, shoe budget for one time, uh, or the shoe budget because you're going to be going through shoes every two or three right. months. Uh, so the next question, any questions on there? Yeah. So uh, let me make sure I didn't miss anything. Julie, mobility. How Ooh. much is enough, and what time is best? Pre-workout, post-workout. Ooh, I like it. You want to start? Um, yes. Even though I don't necessarily do mobility like I should. Ooh, how about? Unfortunately, let's take it back. Let's take yeah, a step back. Take a step back. Let's take a step back. Mobility, flexibility. Mm, different. Yeah. So, uh, different. so I, the way we define it, flexibility uh, is like passive range of motion. Like if Steve, you were laying here on the couch, and I was like, if you go into like a, a chiropractor or right. somebody who's like assessing your your joint range of motion, you were just laying here on the couch, and I took your arm and I flopped it around all over the point. That's like flexibility. Yeah. Um, that's passive range, so Steve isn't controlling it, I'd be controlling his range of motion, therefore it's passive. Mobility is active range of motion, so can Steve then take his arm with his musculature and put his arm into those same positions? No. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, and this is, the reason why I say this is because we, we use this word mobility a lot and I wanted to define it really quickly. Yeah. Um, go ahead, now, now you can talk. Um, I think it's, it's, it's uh, worth doing both, and again, you have to know yourself you know your body, um, what it takes, and it also depends on what you're doing. I don't think you can go wrong doing mobility before and after class if you have time. Uh, you know, for instance, on squat days, uh, doing some hip mobility, maybe ankle mobility. Uh, for me, I try to mobilize my knee as much as I can uh, with the surgeries I've had on it to be able to get more primed to move whatever load we're moving for that particular day. Um, after class, uh, you know, stretching and mobilizing to get your body back into, uh, you know, I call it, not that this is the correct term, so correct it however you need to, like that resting or functional state of just like, I've done the work, now let me relax myself back into, you know, after you tighten those muscles up. Yeah. Um, Maybe those, those ligaments start getting a little stiff. You can loosen those up so you can rest comfortably. If anybody has ever done a terrible workout, a hard workout, and it's just like uncomfortable, uh, there might be some tension that needs to be released throughout the body that can help you relax more. So uh, the amount of time, I'm actually a person that if I have the time to, I like to mobilize a lot uh, <laughs> just so I can be ready. I don't know, it might be, just the amount of weight that has to be moved, yeah. that it takes me a little bit longer to get mentally in this frame and moving and warming up to be prepared for it. But um, I think you just got to figure out that, that routine that works for you based on what you got that day. For sure. Um, I think uh, what, you, what, you, what you hit on at the very beginning, know yourself, I think is very important. Um, and I think that, so like Scientific literature will say that if you are wanting to maximize peak output force, you're wanting to be as explosive as possible um, while also doing some injury um, preventative kind of stuff. Uh, dynamic stretching before the workout is what you're going to look for, like something in the realm of like 5 to 20-ish seconds per hold um, with kind of like the longer flexibility type of like long holds after you've warmed up, so after the workout um, part of your cool down. So that's like the two minutes plus stretches. Um, and that's what the scientific literature says. 
However, what I'm going to say, caveat all of that, by you need to know yourself, and we, you need to know what range of motion that you're planning to put yourself in for the day. And I think that it's always beneficial to, especially if you know I have shoulder issues, we have snatching today, I'm going to put myself into those positions before I put myself under load. I'm going to put myself into those positions to figure out where my joints are to this day. And yeah. do I need to do some passive stretching beforehand to just put myself in the right positions? Um, and know that if you do that, you might decrease your force output a little bit. Right. But if you need to do that in order to put yourself in a safe position or a mechanically effective position, it doesn't matter. Like You yeah. need to do that when you need to do that. And it's kind of like the, the how much mobility is too much mobility. is. Um, I look at it like, what do you want to do? Do you have the mobility to do those things? Right. Um, if you want to overhead squat, you need to have a pretty damn, dang good amount of overhead uh, shoulder flexion, um, external rotation through the humerus, so being able to go this way, both hands up overhead, then you need to be able to keep your trunk relatively upright yeah. while you're sinking yourself down into an overhead squat. If you have the ability to get into deep hip, hip flexion, you have good range of motion about the knees, and you have good like spinal extension, and you're able to put that bar up overhead, then we can start talking about overhead squatting. If you can't do those things without the other stuff going on, we need to address some things beforehand. And I think that a good um, indicator, like if you do a movement, and we did, went and, and we did a podcast, or we did, we did a, a episode of The Rig a while back on this, if you do a movement and every single time you do that, like, well, overhead squats make my shoulder ache, that's probably a good indication that we have some, some sort of mobility uh, issue that needs to be addressed there. Yeah. Um, and I do say mobility as opposed to flexibility. So again, mobility means that you can you can actively control that range of motion. I might be able to, to if you're laying on the ground, flop your arm back so that it's laying on the ground as well. But if you can't pick it up from that position or it feels like it's about to dislocate or, or, or pop out a socket in that position, we probably have something that we need to work on mobility-wise so that your ability to control that position. Um, and before we even talk about how you're going to put 150, 200 pounds over your head while you're doing it. Exactly. Um, exactly. Good. I think we I think we nailed that one. So thank yeah. you, Julie, for that question. Yeah, Courtney sent one in, and maybe this is I don't know. We'll see. We can transition to yep. finish the podcast and shut the live off. But uh, Courtney had a question. How about good snacks for before and after the workout? Snacks. I like it. it Go ahead, like, Dave. It sounds a little bit like pre and post workout nutrition. Did you know that there's a uh, I believe in, in the literature they talk about it as the peri-workout window. Ooh. It's like before, during, and after workout. Like there's a, a period of time um, when I was growing up, it was like the anabolic window. Like yeah, you got, 100%. <laughs> All throughout college. <laughs> you, got, you got 15 minutes you post-workout. You got six minutes after you get off this field to get a protein shake <laughs> or all your games are lost. Uh, <laughs> and I, I jest about it. I joke about it now. Um, but for me in that period of my life, it was very important. Like, Dude. oh my gosh, like I got to have a protein shake and, and slam it right after. I I they, had, they would have a coach. As soon as we ran off the field at Mizzou, we'd run off the field, <laughs> through the locker room, and the coach would be there handing you this, because we would have to walk back across the it's a bridge. We'd have to walk back to the, and they're like, hey, get it in you. On your way up before you hit the weight room. I'm like, dog, is it that serious? Like, am I going to lose all my strength in seven minutes? That is going to take me. But it's uh, serious, man. And maybe we can do another uh, another podcast in, in uh, episode of the rig at some point, talking about the 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 truths and the, maybe the the misconceptions about that parent workout window. But however, 
So Courtney's question is asking about snacks pre-workout and snacks post-workout. Um, so I think that it's beneficial when we talk about this to say that we should have a plan for the entirety of our day and our entirety of our nutritional protocol. However, assuming that you have you know, your breakfast, lunch, dinner, other snacks accounted for and set up where we need to be, um, whenever you're doing stuff pre-workout, post-workout, typically what we're trying to do um, is stuff that's relatively easy to digest. Yeah. Um, we're in a place where our body has already been stressed and so putting something into your system that's going to stress it further is typically a poor idea. Um, this is where people typically go to liquids or like uh, what we call like a yogurt. Is that like a like a soft solid? I don't know what that cup would you call it. Uh, yogurt? <laughs> Sabrina's laughing at me over there. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, going with something that's a little bit easier to digest, something you know, I guess more processed so you don't have to chew it a whole bunch. Um, it's not super high in fiber. Typically, what I would also suggest, or what we would also suggest, is that we do something that's lower in fat as well, because fat is going to slow our digestion. Um, and so typically, we're looking at something lower fiber, lower fat, easy to digest, so something in that liquid-ish place. Um, fruits are typically a good option, right? Right, Post-workout, pre-workout. Um, I will also say that it depends on how, so pre-workout, uh, it depends on how well you do with working out with food in your stomach. Like some of that is going to be a trial and error thing. I don't do well with eating like more than or closer to like an hour and a half before my workout. Don't do fruit cups. Bad idea. <laughs> no, don't do fruit cups. Uh, something like a Chipotle, like 30 minutes before you do a high intensity interval training workout would also probably be a poor idea. Ask Danielle, she ate a burrito before last night's workout. I think that was a mistake. How did that treat I don't know. She uh, abandoned me on the 400 meter run yesterday. I'm still emotional about that. 7 p.m. You know who I'm talking to. Like, uh, anyway. Uh, so that's where, like, so pre workout, uh, easy to digest stuff. So I mentioned uh, fruit. We could do uh, fruit and yogurt. We could do some, uh, let's say, some lower fiber. Um, like if you're gonna do like a protein bar, typically we gotta watch out for protein bars because they'll have a lot of other stuff in it. We have, typically have higher fat um, and uh, uh, a lot of fiber. That's what a lot of the like Quest bars or right. Kirkland bars have a high amount of those things in it. Um, typically somewhere in the realm of like two hours before you're looking at your pre-workout snack, playing around with where in there we're eating so that we can figure out what we want to eat. The closer that we get to our workout, the typically the, the, the blander or the easier to digest it is um, a lot of times people go with like applesauce packets um, or yeah, some people don't like that um, if we're gonna go uh, like bananas is another good um, berries in general are a pretty good um, pre-workout snack or post-workout snack for that matter um, the cool thing is they're relatively the same in terms of what we're going for around the workout that's just easier to digest um, if you're gonna go post-workout sometimes people go milk depends on how well you do with dairy that's the same I guess for Greek yogurt um, Yogurt uh, is the way to go there too. Um, protein shakes, people like protein shakes. Uh, I think the biggest thing that when you're doing a protein shake is make sure that the stuff that's in it um, is quality ingredients. Yeah, no, we got Jason dancing in the background. I, I really wish I could have saw what just happened. <laughs> I would flip it around. Uh, making sure that the, the ingredients are quality and then making sure there's not a whole lot of uh, fillers. Um, we will likely have another episode talking purely about supplementation. I had some questions talking about that, but in order to keep this relatively brief, um, we'll probably we'll probably uh, book in uh, with some some supplementation point at a, some supplementation talk at another point. Yeah. Um, but whenever you're looking at your uh, protein sources, making sure that the stuff that you're taking is in fact uh, like if you say it's like 25 grams of protein, like is it actually like well dosed? Like is it actually the protein that you're wanting to be taking, um, or is it a, a cheap filler kind of a protein? Um, and then also like if you have um, 
digestive issues with whey or um, dairy in general, like making sure that we're not going with a concentrate in a whey and you're causing digestive, like, right. man, my, my stomach is just in knots every time I, I get done with my workout. Yeah, I, you gotta pay attention to that stuff too. I know um, some of us, uh, my coach used to say, uh, you have iron, like iron stomachs. Uh, you're just not aware of what things you do, yeah. like take, uh, do to you. Uh, so when you're talking about choosing those, you know, protein supplements, those things that you eat, like just, Start being aware of how you feel prior. Yep. And then if every time you drink that chocolate protein shake, your stomach starts bubbling, you know what? Maybe there's something to it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not, you know, it's, it's not always, oh, well, it was just I did it on an empty stomach or this or that. Um, for a long time, I didn't know, um, but like milk really bothers me. I like milk, so I still drink it, but it bothers me. Like every time I drink it, I'm like, dang, I might be lactose intolerant not sure but i don't care but you should you know it's just one of those things like just be mindful of the stuff how you put in your body how it makes you feel uh, because that has an effect on you know it might be yeah, what, what you mentioned like uh, an absorption problem like maybe you're not taking in like the stuff and it's just kind of sitting around and causing you some discomfort so um, so I, I i said a lot of things but i just wanted to briefly summarize Pre-workout, post-workout, typically what we're looking for is protein and carbohydrate in combination, lower fiber, lower fat foods. Um, fruits, typically a pretty good um, source. If you're doing those, fru uh, those fruity um, options, I like to go with the stuff that is typically what we consider to be sweeter fruits. Yeah. Um, so like, if you're gonna do like, if you like raisins, that would be a good time to do that. If you like bananas, that's a good time to do that. Um, I mean, you can even get to apples, any, really uh, any type of fruit. However, if we're talking like uh, like avocado, technically that's a fruit, but that's essentially that's essentially just fat. I love, <laughs> uh, I love So making sure that if we're doing we're doing fruits, we're not being like, well, he said any type of fruit. We want to look for <laughs> stuff that's a little bit higher in sugar, higher in carbohydrate, um, or higher in fructose, I should say. Um, and then if we're going to do uh, some post workout, so protein options. I like uh, yogurt. I like uh, protein shakes. I like cottage cheese. If you're not somebody who eats uh, dairy, there are some soy options as well. I can't remember what the name of the dang uh, soy milk. I mean, you could do soy milk, but there's a there's a soy op milk option. Taylor Kraft, hopefully you will comment on this and Silk. call me out. Silk, maybe that's what it's called. Silk. Yeah. Um, there's also some other soy options that you can go with, like Tempa or my my. Casey could also probably come in here with a good a couple good. Is he is he getting me? No, he's not getting me. Uh, a couple good uh, answers for me as well. Cottage cheese. Um, oh my goodness. You don't like cottage cheese? What? Cottage cheese and pineapple is that just like is the worst decision. Delicious snack. I, you, you, I'm starting to realize you make bad decisions. What are your go-tos? It's not cottage cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I know that much steak. Oh, you get hey, and this is where post post workout. So she mentioned snacks, and that's why I was trying to think things that you can steak carry. Steak is a snack, Dave. All right, Steve, Dragon Slayer Steve over here has got what a sword and a shield about? in one hand. He's got a freaking 22-ounce uh, porterhouse. <laughs> uh, so if you're, if, you're, if you're wanting to carry a burrito as a, as a snack, maybe a, a steak burrito afterwards. I'm not going to carry it. I'm just saying. I will say that uh, in this same category, typically convenience is where that also comes in. So like bananas are nice because or, – or any fruit that has like a, a an outer peel to it. So like it's going to be able to be – packed in your bag and it will protect itself from the stuff around it. Like if you're gonna 
Like blueberries are another good option, but you're going to have to put something, the blueberries in something in order to carry it, as opposed to being able to just carry a whole bunch of blueberries with you. Um, and I will say that's the one downfall about berries is in general is they get squished and it's right. difficult to eat. My kids will never eat them if they're squished. I hear you. Um, grapes are another option for pre-post-workout, um, but I will say that whenever you're doing this, it's not a like eat till you're completely full type of situation. Uh, snack to me is like a getting you to the next meal when you are going to be eating until the point that you're maybe 80% full, yeah. slowly eating, good intuitive options. Um, but whenever you're doing the snack, it's typically like uh, a, 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 a petite meal, a small meal. Um, and it's not like buy a bushel of grapes and just eat, just keep on popping them in your mouth. Yeah, that's um, my problem. I just keep eating them. So typically, I think most most fruits are like measured in, in like cups. That's typically where it is, and I think that's in somewhere in the realm of like 140 grams, depending upon 120 to 140 grams, depending upon what type of fruit it is. Um, if you're a nerd out there, you use a scale like I do, um, making sure that you're not going like seven cups of grapes, but you're doing like maybe a cup of those things. Um, and then you're also looking for if we're looking at, if we want to get nerdy about macronutrients. Now we're talking about like 20 to 30 grams protein post workout or pre workout or both. Um, and then like look, looking at same realm, it's like 20 to 30 grams of carbohydrates. Um, and then keeping our fiber five to 10 grams or less um, in both of those meals. Um, but if you're gonna make it a meal post workout and you want to do some steak, that's perfectly fine. I'm all about that whole food option. It's a steak option. Steve, we got any other questions? No, Mr. Man. Curator? No other questions on there. Um, Danielle is laughing because she knows she was out of bounds for what she did to me yesterday, <laughs> her and the whole crew. But I'm better for it, so thank you. Um, nah, man, I think we wrap it up. I think, you know what? It just came to me, man. Next week, let's talk about strength. Strength? B-sides. B-sides, all right. Not the B-sides. Not the pretty stuff, but the other stuff that comes with getting strong and being strong. Fair I think enough. that might be uh, fun because everybody – loves lifting weights obviously I mean I do yeah and all of that fun stuff so. absolutely so uh, to wrap it up guys you got David and Steve here at the rig slash the couch slash CrossFit corner cocktail cocktail corner yeah. um, we talked to you guys at Q&A today um, hit, hit on some uh, questions about like what kind of shoe where we want to use for CrossFit how do we know when that shoe wears uh, worn out talking about mobility and flexibility some stretching how do we know uh when is too much. Yep. Um, we talked about some snacks pre and post workout. Mm -hmm. um, we also had some colorful commentary in, in between because yeah. you got the dragon. I will. Out. I'm a tag y'all in that picture because I know probably y'all like, oh, he always got a story about something. Watch. You're going <laughs> to see it. The nail might be in the picture Very that well I stepped on. With, he, he just left it there with blood on it. <laughs> Very well but could be. Uh, if you guys have questions, if you're watching this later and you have questions or comments, please comment in the comment box. Um, Steve and myself will be curating, taking a little peek back through. We'll get through and answer any questions you might have. Um, we'll also try and go into the questions that were posted um, and leave a timestamp for at what point you can kind of fast forward to in the video to get yeah. the answer to that. Um, this was a little bit longer, longer than a uh, normal episode of the rig or I guess it's like the same length as it yeah. used to be technically it's a podcast now so. and a podcast uh, once we get that edited and we get that put out to you uh, you'll have a link to uh, sign up for podcasts is that something you no, subscribe that's subscribe. What, subscribe for podcasts I just got a death look but that's okay I feel like a, a grandpa right now that's okay that's alright uh, thanks for guys for, for, for tuning in for this, uh, this episode of the rig Q&A uh, we appreciate each and every one of you hope you guys have a great week
Steve, you got anything for him? Nah, man. I'll see y'all around. You gotta stop that day. We need to take a vote. I don't think anybody likes that movie. All right, we got it done. Well, you have